Thank you for tuning in to the Career Exploration Podcast, brought to you by Northeast Ohio Medical University's College of Pharmacy. You're listening to the Career Exploration Podcast for future and current pharmacists. We're glad you're here, and we're looking forward to introducing you to some of the many career paths available for pharmacists. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of our Career Exploration Podcast. In this episode, Kristen and I interview Dr. A.J. Carabello. A.J. graduated from Neomed's College of Pharmacy in 2013 and is currently the retail director at Buckeye Relief, which is a medical marijuana dispensary. A.J. talks to us about his journey after pharmacy school and how he ended up in the medical cannabis industry. He also talks to us a bit about the differences between a community pharmacist role and a medical cannabis pharmacist role, which was actually pretty eye-opening. I know there are a few things he mentioned that I've never even considered before and was actually really surprised to learn about when it comes to caring for that patient population. Chris and I most definitely learned a lot from our interview with AJ. So go ahead and give it a listen and hopefully you'll learn something new about this upcoming and exciting area of pharmacy. We're being joined today by Dr. AJ Carabello. Dr. Carabello is a 2013 alumnus of Northeast Ohio Medical University's College of Pharmacy. After graduation, AJ served as the pharmacy manager of Hometown Pharmacy in Youngstown, Ohio, and became an active member of the Ohio Pharmacist Association. His advocacy efforts with the Ohio Pharmacist Association led to the passing of a medication synchronization bill, as well as allowing pharmacists to dispense naloxone without a prescription. Working with the Ohio Pharmacists Association, AJ helped lead efforts to explore opportunities for pharmacists within Ohio's medical marijuana control program. After five years at Hometown, AJ joined G-Leaf Medical Cannabis, serving as their designated representative and overseeing the dispensary's startup from January 2019 through April of 2021. Currently, AJ's position is at Buckeye Relief as their retail director, and he's been there since May of 2021. AJ, thank you so much for joining us today. Where else would I be? (laughs) Nice to have you. Welcome. Thank you. So AJ, your career path uh, since graduating in 2013 has taken a lot of turns and and ups and downs, hasn't it? That's an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, excellent. So we have a lot. I know Dr. Longstreth and I are are super excited uh, learning about the medical cannabis industry. I think it's an area that a lot of us don't really know a ton about unless you're actually working in there. Yeah. And even when you're working in there, you're still finding out about it every day. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, so hopefully you could kind of educate us a little bit about what it is that that you do. So um, so so tell us since graduating in in 2013, tell us a little bit more about your journey and kind of how you got to where you are. I don't know how I got here. Um, I mean, Dr. Abdul Razul, how did you get here? When actually Dr. Abdul Razul and I were interns together um, while, you know, while we were in pharmacy school, working our way through, um, we were working at Rite Aid. Uh, we worked at different Rite Aids together. Um, and I could have sworn then that, you know, Dr. Abdul Razul and I would be at Rite Aid until the day we died. Um, you're absolutely right. And you know, it's interesting, actually, after we, uh, after we both graduated, I kept working at Rite Aid and you had started working at Hometown Pharmacy. Yeah, that was surprise number one. Well, <laughs> and our, our stores were right across the street from each other. So we oh, called each other what are the all chances? the time. Yeah. I know, right? So that was, uh, uh, a pretty fun time there, but, uh, that was like surprise. Number one was, you know, ever leaving Rite Aid. So I guess, you know, pharmacy has so many doors that, that are going to be open. Um, and you just have to know what's right for you and when to walk through one of them and going through rotations here. So when you're going through school, you'll have the opportunity to go through a lot of different practice settings and see how different pharmacists put their license to work. Um, you're not going to like every rotation you might go on, but what I found is the ones, the rotations that I like, the least were the ones I learned the most from because sometimes it's the one where you ones where you learned that's absolutely when I 
don't want to do um, that that really benefits you. So, you know, going through school, I thought that that I would be with Rite Aid forever. And then when I started to get out on rotations and I saw, wow, you know, you there are so many other cool things that you can do. And you had to look at what did what did I like about working with Rite Aid? What didn't I like? And it turned out I liked working with patients. So I thought going to a smaller, uh, you know, more independent owned pharmacy would give me that opportunity to inter- interact more closely with my patients. And it did. Um, but it was, you know, actually I got my job through hometown um, going through rotations. So I, I had multiple rotations at hometown pharmacies with a couple of different locations. Um, and it just worked out, you know, timing was right when I graduated, they had an opening and they asked me to come on board. Um, so I guess life lesson, never let any doors shut. And it's true what they say. You are always being interviewed, whether you know it or not. Um, because I, I, didn't, all the yeah, time. I didn't interview, <laughs> I didn't interview for a job at hometown, but I got one and it took me away from, uh, you know, a path that I thought I would be on until, like I said, until the day I died. Yeah. And I, I always tell all our incoming students is, is keep an open mind because you never know where life is going to take you. Yeah. I was kind of on the same page with you. I'm like, oh, right aid for life, right? Nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with right aid. It's a great company to work for. Um, but you know, you come across other areas of pharmacy that you realize, oh, wow, maybe this, I'm better suited for something like this instead. Um, so yeah. Um, so, so tell us a little bit how you kind of got involved in the medical cannabis industry. How did that come about? So it's, you know, there again, not letting any doors shut. And once you start pulling a thread or pulling a yarn that you think is interesting, keep going until you find the end of it. So when I got into working on the more independent pharmacy side, I saw a lot of things that we didn't have access to working at Rite Aid. Like we actually got to see the reimbursement amount. So you actually got to see what an insurance company was paying for a prescription. And then you realized, wow, pharmacies, you know, pharmacies on a lot of claims, they're getting under reimbursed. They're getting reimbursed below the cost of what the drug actually costs. And, um, you know, you look at, well, how do those places stay in business. And when you look around, all the independent pharmacies were closing. And the answer is you don't. Um, So, you know, that got me on a path where I just started looking at, well, why are we getting reimbursed less than the cost of the drug? You know, I was very firm believer in my jobs out here, you know, to be out here educating patients. I shouldn't have to be, you know, checking statements, making sure that we're getting paid above cost of what the, you know, what it costs to dispense the medication. Um, So got involved and, you know, raised the issue with with a couple of our local representatives and had a couple meetings. And then I got a call from the Ohio Pharmacist Association, Antonio Chacha, great guy, um, huge advocate for the for the profession, a huge ally here in Ohio and now now nationwide. Go, Antonio. Um, But he called and was like, hey, did you have did you have, you know, this senator in your pharmacy or or this representative in your pharmacy? I was like, yeah, did I do something wrong? He goes, no, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, but we want you to get more involved. So I did. And I started getting involved in more legislative efforts and, you know, like got involved with medication synchronization, which is, you know, believe it or not, there was a time when um, when you could not go into a pharmacy without paying full price for your prescription if you wanted to get only a couple pills filled. So if, you know, if you wanted to get all your medications filled on the same day and you had a prescription that was written on a different day than your other meds, you know, there were some there were some uh, elderly patients who weren't getting medications filled because it was inconvenient for them just for that reason. So, you know, we uh, brought that problem up to legislators. They, they crafted a fix and now you can do that. Um, so just getting involved little ways to help patients like that. Um, so through that advocacy effort, one day, Antonio calls and says, what do you think about medical marijuana? And I said, in Ohio? Um, and he goes, yeah, he goes, actually, they're looking at it and they're, they're looking about putting the state board of pharmacy in charge of dispensing. 
dispensaries. What do you think? I said, I don't know. Give me a minute. (laughs) Um, And then started doing research on medical cannabis and um, saw, well, they're not crazy. Like in other states in Connecticut and Minnesota, uh, they have pharmacists involved, physicians involved, and then start pulling that thread. Like, well, why are they involved? Is this real or is this just like, oh, they think it'll look good on like an application? No. And like started delving into both like the business and legislative side of it. But as well, the started really researching the endocannabinoid system. I was like, well, why don't we learn this in school? Well, because it's still federally illegal. But you look at countries like uh, like over in Israel or over in Canada where it's been legal for a lot longer. And um, we respect what, what their medical communities have to say about any other drug on the planet. But we're silent about cannabis. And when you look up when you look up uh, Canada, they actually have a nice document published by their by the by Health Canada that that's issued to their prescribers of medical marijuana. So I was like, wow, there's real science here as well. So once again, it was just saw a door open, went through it and um, haven't looked back since. So once again, keep every door open. Very good lesson for the perspective and the current students as well. AJ, what's a common misconception about a career in medical cannabis? Um, I think the common misconception is just with the entire phrase medical cannabis in general, the, the fact that we need to put the word medical in front of it. It's only needed that qualifier for about a hundred years and it's because of this country. Um, so when you look back to medical use of cannabis, it goes back to like 2,500 BC. So same, same Chinese emperor. If you look in his compendium where he's talking about ephedrine, he's also talking about cannabis. They used it for malaria. They used it for seizures. You can follow that all the way up through. You can watch it, uh, creep its way into Western medicine. Then you watch it creep its way across the pond into the U.S. Actually, at one time, the Ohio State Medical Association was was the first medical body to hold a conference in Columbus, Ohio, regarding the use of cannabis for, you know, trying to get more research uh, on medical use and really figuring out what what's in it that's working. Um, so it's not until like 1920s where uh, where prohibition really starts in this country. And it is, you know, we we don't talk about it a lot because it's one of those things that's not comfortable to talk about. But, you know, direct quote from uh, Harry Anslinger, who was the Fed- director of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics at that time, made no qualms about it. He said that he was specifically targeting Hispanics, uh, people of color, Filipinos and jazz entertainers for using cannabis. Those were the groups he was concerned about. Um, so throws away centuries of and millennia of medical research because of a couple people's bias. And that's that's the origins of of, of prohibition. So now because of that, we have to say medical cannabis when you know humans have been using it for millennia. Um, so I think that's the biggest misconception is we're not it's it's not like this is a new concept in this country. This is a it's an old concept that we haven't been allowed to research the science. So the human endocannabinoid system, there's enough evidence out there now to confidently say it might be the largest neuroregulatory system in our bodies. And guess what? We didn't learn it. Um, That's like going through school, being a plumber and then finding out, hey, uh, we forgot to teach you about this one thing. They're called pipes. Yeah. Good analogy. Yeah. So so needless to say, so a lot of your education and learning in in your specific area has been done kind of on your own. Lifelong learner. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. that's, That's important. I mean, and you're, you know, if you're looking at a career in pharmacy, you're looking at a career in medicine and, you know, look at the current COVID pandemic. This 
you know, unfortunately it's been turned into this, you know, big megaphone where people have made it, you know, about media bits and everything. Mm -hmm. And people are saying, well, look, the CDC doesn't know what they're talking about. No, the CDC does. This is what science looks like in real time. And I think we've missed a big opportunity in this country to, to educate people on the scientific method in general and say, when you're looking at data in real time, you have to look back a little bit. And yes, if, if we're looking back and not changing what we do based on new data that's coming in, then we're doing something wrong. Um, you have to keep up on everything. Um, Guidelines are changing every day because of things just like that. So if you want to come out and get a degree and think you're going to stop reading, um, you're going to do a big disservice to your patients and and frankly to yourself. I mean, Neomed teaches you how to learn and where to find the things you want to learn about so that you can go and do those things on your own. And, you know, you don't need a class. Right. Incredibly yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, they, they definitely do teach you to be a lifelong learner, like you said. So excellent. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what does a normal day or maybe a normal week? I know day to day might be different, but in general, what is a normal day or week kind of look like as a medical cannabis pharmacist? I'd love for you to help me answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Because look where I am today. Did I ever think? It's not a normal day, right? (laughs) I was all, when I sat in class and Dr. Abdul can attest to this, I was in the back row because I wanted to be the first one out. I wanted to beat the traffic out of here because when I was still here, there was not a light out on, out at the exit of the school. So if you didn't get out, if you weren't one of the first cars out there, you were waiting for a half hour. I remember those days and I had both of them in class. So I don't remember the back row, but I I had both of them in class. (laughs) Oh yeah. He definitely sat in the back row. That's for sure. I was trying to get out of coming to my own commencement. My wife made me. Come. <laughs> you know, I always thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of here and never look back. And I think I come back here more now than, I mean, I see you here more now than ever before. Right? I say, yeah. I honestly think I've seen you here since you've graduated a lot more than when I saw you here when you were a student. So, um, yeah. So what does a normal day look like? It's, it's, you know, wherever the day takes you, um, because it's, it's doing something new every day. That's kind of, you know, I guess been what I've been following since I graduated is, you know, once you master something, just kind of want to learn something new and see where it takes you. So, you know, today, um, today I'm here trying to teach, teach folks about why it's important to why a pharmacy education is important and, you know, how you can use it in creative ways that, you know, you don't see every day, you know, tomorrow I'll be working on opening up a, a new medical cannabis dispensary and on Coventry Road in Cleveland Heights. The following day, I might be, you know, talking with the State Board of Pharmacy about regulations that are currently in place and why they, you know, how they could be strengthened or why they might be a little too prohibitive. So every day is doing something new, interacting with with um, somebody different. I can't wait till the dispensary is open because then that means I get to start talking with patients again um, and teaching them about different dosages and dosage forms, which are essentially the big tenets of pharmacy education, right? How do What's in the medicine? How much of it do you take and how do we get it into your body? So every day is different. Yeah. So, so from what I'm gathering, then it seems like the, you know, you need to have like a personality type where you're kind of easygoing, kind of go with the flow. Uh, You're okay with not having a ton of structure. It's, it's a new industry. So that means, you know, we're part of creating it. So, you know, we get to help, you know, create the structure by, you know, the state board gives you regulations and you operate within them. And then, you know, you ask them and say, Hey, I think this would work. I think this would benefit patients. And then, you know, they say, okay, well, show us, show us, you can do this compliantly. And, you know, um, there's still a lot of things they don't let us say, like they're still very cognizant of, you know, we don't have a lot of research, so they don't want people out there making outrageous health claims about cannabis. So at, at some point, sometimes that's very restrictive mm-hmm. um, and it serves a purpose to guard against misinformation. But sometimes, you know, when I'm going waving a new study and from going, I want to say this, I want to put this in writing. I want to put this, uh, you know, put this out there for our patients. And they go, you know, 
pump the brakes. We got to look at this. We got to vet this a little bit more. Um, you know, so it's, you know, peer reviewed stuff like in, in real time. It's kind of cool. So I was saying, it sounds like super exciting, it's right? Us, so yeah. you don't have like super exciting and frustrating because I'm still getting used to, you know, this whole creating the industry, you know, whereas before it was, Hey, these guidelines were released. It was already pre-digested right, for you. Right. Like, this is what you're going to do now. And you're like, Oh, okay, that's cool. This is what I'm going to do now. It's a little more straightforward. Right. Yeah. Whereas now it's, you know, a lot more discussion. And so I'm used to moving it. Okay. New guidelines come out. Let's call all the patients, doctors, get them up to speed with guidelines. Here's, right, here's everything. Right. Now it's no, here's this new article. Now we have to pump the brakes and see, do it. Does everybody else agree? Or so you have to be comfortable with that. The lack of guidelines, the lack of, you know, that, that type of when it's moving, yeah. Moving at warp speed as slow as possible. <laughs> right. I say, I know some people might be like, you know, super uncomfortable with that, but I think that's, that's always like super exciting to, to pioneer something, right. To be the first to kind of try something to do something, at least in the state of Ohio. I think that's, that's pretty awesome that, that you took the lead on that and uh, that you, that you are kind of leading the way for the, the medical cannabis industry in the state. So that's awesome. We thank no, you for I mean, that. There's a ton of other pharmacists in the industry as well. Like, and it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, I just talked with, with another one for the first, for the first time today, I've always, you know, seen her name. I'm being floated around and we finally got the chance to connect today. No. So, I mean, it's awesome. There are other pharmacists in the industry and you know, it's, it's, we all share a passion. I think what's, what's interesting for education. And that's why, that's why, you know, they got into it. They're like, I wanted, I wanted to get out from behind the counter even, even further. And like you said, Dr. Abdul-Razul, it's pioneering and getting out, teaching patients something new and you know, really having that opportunity to, to do something novel. I have a follow-up. Yeah, uh, yeah. So when the dispensary does open, because some of our students are probably wondering, what will a typical day look like then? So I think that might lead into maybe some other things we're going to talk about. But if you could tell us, you know, what, what would a day look like when that is up and running? I know you said you're anxious to talk to the patients and get to interact with the patients. So what would a day look like for you? Um, you know, it's, you know, when you look, take a step back and you look at it, it's not all that dissimilar from a day in our regular community pharmacy. Uh, you're going to have some patients who want to come. Would you like to ask, would you like to speak with the pharmacist? What questions do you have for the pharmacist? Nope. Let me check the box. Let me sign and get out of here. You have some patients when you see their, when you see their bag in the will call bin, you know, oh, Joe's coming in today. Um, uh, I gotta, gotta make sure I'm up to snuff on this new med. We're going to have a 15 minute counseling session. He's going to have four questions I can't answer. Um, you know, very, it's, you know, very similar. You, you can kind of see, so you're going to have some patients who, who you, you know, have been in there multiple times and the, you know, they're coming in, coming out. Then you see a couple, uh, you know, new patient registration forms come across, come across the email. Um, and you see the box checked. We're like completely new to this. I would like to have a consult with the pharmacist. Then you, you know, go through and you look, well, what's their qualifying condition? Do I know their recommending physician? Because now it's, it's, very much like community pharmacy, you develop good rapport with, uh, with your, with your recommending physicians. And, um, you know, a lot of recommending physicians, you know, we have each other's cell numbers and they'll text say, Hey, I'm sending you a patient X, Y, and Z, give me a call. So we were able to get a little bit of background so that we're able to really, you know, really help those patients who need it. And then, you know, uh, we're not naive. There are some patients who, um, have been self-medicating with cannabis for, for a couple decades. And there's not anything that we could possibly tell them that they haven't figured out already. Um, but one thing that's important is, like I said, this stigma around medical cannabis is only from the past hundred years. It's important for me to make sure those patients feel comfortable coming in because they have not been doing anything wrong. Um, you know, just because it's a vet with PTSD, who's been using medical, who's, you know, found that medical cannabis has helped his PTSD. Maybe he didn't recognize it in that moment, but he's been using it and doing well for 20 years. He hasn't been doing anything wrong. It's, you know, unfortunately the, the laws were behind the times. Um, and 
you know, he, and as we know now that it's a really viable treatment option for that particular disease state. So, and you know, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because that's something that I've never really considered or thought about, but yeah, that's a huge part of your role as a medical cannabis pharmacist is making sure that your patients don't feel like they're being judged, right? Like you said, if they've been using it for years, um, you know, to, to now prove to them like, Hey, you know what? There is research and literature out there that it's okay to make them feel like, you know, that, that it's okay that they've been doing it. And it's a very real challenge because now, you know, you have, you know, typical age patient in Ohio is, you know, mid sixties. Mm-hmm. So you have somebody who's been, you know, raised through the war on drugs and now they're being told, take this, it's going to help your medical condition. Mm-hmm. Well, there's still a huge social stigma around it. So now you're giving somebody who might not ever have tried cannabis before a psychoactive substance that can make them paranoid. Mm-hmm. So now you have to make sure that talk with them about their family support. You know, what's your family think about you using this? The last thing you want to do is give somebody, you know, say you have an MS patient you got, and they're on this for, uh, you know, to help with symptoms of spasticity. So when, when patients have multiple sclerosis, sometimes their muscles can tense up and it can get extremely, extremely painful. Um, so to help with those symptoms, actually in Canada, they've used medical cannabis. It's an actually their version of FDA approved for a decade now. Mm-hmm. Um, so multiple sclerosis condition in the U.S. But what if we have an MS patient who this is really helping their condition, their symptoms, but their daughter is, you know, avidly, you know, outspoken against medical cannabis use. Well, now you have a situation where you're giving the mother a substance that could possibly make her paranoid. And now her daughter's coming over. Does she take a, does she take a medication knowing that it's going to help my symptoms, but now I'm going to be worried she's mad at me the whole time. Mm -hmm. So it's important to talk about family support there. Yeah. I mean, you don't talk about that with blood pressure medication, right? you know, you don't say, uh, is your family comfortable with you taking lisinopril? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of education. It's yeah. yeah. a really good point. Um, and, and yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. So to, to kind of go into this a little bit more, like Kristen kind of asked, like, what does a normal day look like? I'm actually curious to know. So you mentioned it's, it's not too different than like a regular community pharmacy, right? So a patient brings in a prescription, right? So obviously I have community pharmacy experience. And so I know what a, a community pharmacy prescription looks like. So uh, a little bit different. Right. So how does that work? Like, do you get to decide what it's type. It's been a while since you've been in a community pharmacy. They have e-scribing now. You're right. You know, are, oh, you're right. You're over right. that electronic yeah. mails. Yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely right. But no, so like when a patient brings in a prescription, does the prescription just have like the indication and then you as a pharmacist get to pick what type the patient gets or does the physician or the prescriber kind of indicate that on there? How does that work? So now we get into semantics a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah. So it's technically not a prescription. So prescribing's uh, and we can talk more with Dr. Kazmer about this, but I believe prescribing is a legal term. Um, correct. So as a pharmacist, yes, you're not going to be prescribing, correct? Right, because it's still federally illegal. Um, and even physicians don't prescribe it um, because uh, it's still federally illegal. I understand. Physicians can put patients in the registry. And once they're in the registry, patients can recommend mm-hmm. to a dispensary or to the governing state board that the patient's going to try medical cannabis, but the patient or the physician does not prescribe cannabis. So that's actually how it works in Ohio. Um, you, you go to a physician. There are 25 qualifying conditions in Ohio. So when we say qualifying conditions, that's like the list where if you have one of these conditions and you go to a physician, you know, they, they talk through, these are the, these are the benefits of medical marijuana. These are the, you know, potential side effects of medical marijuana. What have you tried, you know, regular treatment wise, because we don't, we want medical marijuana to be a complement to regular treatment. It's not meant to be a replacement for, um, so 
that's that's another big thing. We don't want people to stop taking their other medications because they're getting on medical cannabis. Um, so that's why it's important they go through the physician who talks through all of that with them. Physician will put them in the patient registry and the patient registry is overseen by the state board of pharmacy. Once they're in the patient registry, then the physician can put in a recommendation, hey, for uh for a patient, Joe Schmo, um, we're recommending he try medical cannabis for one of for condition X, um, and he can have 90 days worth with either zero to uh, up to three refills. So, so then you kind of, as a pharmacist, kind of decide which type, because there are different types, right? So you kind of decide which type would be the best for that patient. Right. Now, if the physician puts in the recommendation in writing, I don't want the patient to have um, anything that's inhaled, or I want the patient to have CBD products only, then we're bound by what's in the recommendation. Most physicians, though, especially when you develop a good rapport and let them know, hey, we have, you know, we have trained healthcare professionals here to help your patients. A lot of them feel more comfortable leaving that blank. And, you know, like I said, sending you the text saying, I'm sending patient patient your way, please take, you know, please make sure you, know, you sit there, talk with their daughter. Daughter was very concerned in the office. You know, so it's that human connection. So it sounds like a lot of uh, interprofessional collaboration that occurs mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Right. And a lot of time with the patients as well with education, which is great. And, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, follow up kind of question. So how do you think federal legalization of recreational marijuana uh, might affect your job? Um, you know, it's interesting because I think my job is very much education. And mm-hmm. even if that happens, Let's say somebody waves a magic wand and it's federally legal tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. I, I don't have a crystal ball. Don't know when it's going to happen. Don't care to know when it's going to when it's going to happen. Um, because at the end of the day, our job as pharmacists is educating folks, right? And let's say they legalize it tomorrow. That means there's going to be a bigger swath of people who now want to try this substance, which we've already talked about, has been used medically for centuries. So it has effects. It has side effects. So even though people want to use the term recreational, adult use, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be people taking a pharmacologically active substance and looking for an effect from it. So it's it's a job to educate patients what they can reasonably expect from a dose so that they don't have any unintended side effects. So it might not be necessarily for for the same reasons, you know, when we're, we're, we're talking with an MS patient, that feeling of euphoria, that feeling of being disoriented, that's a side effect. That's not something they're after. And it's either a side effect that some patients say, hey, I really like this. I don't mind it so much. <laughs> right. Some patients really want to mitigate it. Um, and that's how we address it with that person. But, you know, when we talk about adult use, they're looking, they're seeking that side effect of euphoria. And it's important that we make sure that, look, here's the pieces of education you need to, that, you know, might get you there. But realize if if you go too far, if you push your dose too far, you're going to go from euphoria and get into side effects, you know, paranoia, just because that's another one, a pet peeve of mine. People always say cannabis has no side effects. It absolutely does. Um, a side effect is anything that you didn't intend to happen when you took it. So unless every cannabis patient on the planet intended to get, you know, dry mouth or get extremely hungry right. after they took a dose, they've experienced a side effect. So they're not necessarily very harmful side effects or detrimental side effects, but they are side effects. Um, and one of them is paranoia, which is, you know, something that, that recreational patients uh, or consumers will need will need educated on. So there's there's still going to be a place, you know, different setting, different types of information. So it might not require the healthcare professional license, but in my mind, it's education. Same tenets, just different audience. So I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I think pharmacists in general have been known for dispensing product and, and you hit the nail right on the head there. knowledge. Right, exactly. We're dispensing knowledge. I like that. I'm going to have to use that <laughs> from now good. on. That's so. good. Thank you so much. You've shared so much about your career path and your current role. And I think we probably have some prospective and some current students 
students that are thinking this sounds interesting. So my next question for you is what kind of student do you think would do well with a career in medical cannabis? And then I'm going to ask you the flip too. <laughs> if you want a ton of structure, um, don't look into medical cannabis at this moment. Um, but it, let's not just limit that to medical cannabis. If you want a ton of structure, you don't want to go into a developing field. If you want a routine day to day, I want to go somewhere, collect a paycheck, punch in, punch out. Nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I was extremely fulfilled when I was, you know, just a pharmacy manager, you know, taking care of patients doing MTM, so medication therapy management, talking to patients at the counter. But then, you know, there's always that, I like this part, what can I do more? If if you're always comfortable with just saying, I like this part and I'm going to enjoy this part about my job today and I don't want to look anywhere else, then that's fine. You want to stay in a more built industry. And once you find what you like, kudos. But if you want to find out what's more, what's beyond there, how can you, you can expand something and you want to go into something that's developing, don't look for structure because you don't have a set schedule. It's not to say you have a bad schedule, but it's, you know, sometimes my day starts at, um, you know, two in the afternoon and goes until, you know, if I'm driving on the road or traveling somewhere, it ends at 2 a.m. That's fine. Wow. Some days, you know, I wake up at seven. I got nothing to do but emails and paperwork and my day's done at 2 p.m. So there's some flexibility, flexibility, there? Yeah. but, you know, depending on depending on your, you know, your likes and dislikes right. might not work out for you. Right. So if a student uh, definitely wants structure, wants to have a routine, this might not be the career path for them. Right. OK. Yeah. But on the flip side, if you're into like, you know, thinking outside of the box and right. maybe creating, you know, right. something new and exciting, I think, yeah, that, that's great. So I could think, you know, in my head, a lot of current students would be really good at this and then some who wouldn't be. Right, so it just right. kind of depends on your personality. A lot of creativity, a lot of time with the patients, which is nice. Yeah. A lot of pharmacists will find that very appealing. Yeah, I would think, sure. I would think. So I think we're kind of getting to the end here and we have some questions that we like to ask all of our guests. So the first question is, what's your your best career exploration tip or advice? Best, I guess, best advice is if you want to explore, you got to be ready to, you know, there's exploring and like, you know, peeking around the corner and then there's exploring and like ripping back the curtain. If you want okay. to explore, don't be afraid to rip back the curtain. You don't have to go to what's on the other side, right. but you know, make sure you take a good look, you know, be honest with, you know, your employers, you know, talk with your employers about what you want out of your job. Um, you know, career development, um, it's, you know, you can have a career or you can choose to develop yourself. So ask about opportunities for development and what you can do, you know, do different. But if you're not ready to explore, that's okay. Just, you know, you might not be ready to explore because you don't know what you don't like. You know, if you're, if, if you're not happy, but you're not ready to explore, you know, just sit back, evaluate where you are and think, why did I get into this profession? What do I like about my current job? What don't I like? And then, you know, look at the parts that you do like, and then think, what are some other opportunities out there that, you know, that I can go pursue that lets me do more of this and less of these parts that I don't like. Um, so a lot of, you know, self-evaluation and a lot of looking what else is out there. So you have to look both out and in. Mm -hmm. So important for current pharmacists and also for our, you know, current students to think about, you know, what they, where they think they might see themselves and what their likes and dislikes are. Yeah. And the final question, what ignites your passion about the pharmacy profession? 
A lot of silence right now. <laughs> right. No, because no, I watched a podcast on this or, or podcast. You don't watch a podcast. You listen to a podcast. Right. You listen Can you to see it. me right now? I hope they can't see us right now. No, I'm like, because I'm already out of touch with the technologies. It was on, it was on the Apple TV. One of those, <laughs> <laughs> no, one of those documentaries and, you know, just talks about, you know, transformative moments and you think, you know, think ignite and you think fire. Um, and it's a, where would the world be if the person who discovered fire didn't share it with anybody else. Said, you know, I'm going to keep this to myself. <laughs> That's <laughs> interesting. Think, think about it. Yeah. So really, you know, our humans, humans, we were, were born to teach, right? The guy who shared fire, he's started a revolution. Um, and we, we talked about earlier, pharmacists dispense knowledge. So that's, that's what ignites the, um, you know, my passion about pharmacy is we're, we're dispensing knowledge. If, if the caveman didn't share fire, we wouldn't be where we are today. If you get a piece of knowledge and don't you share it and, and better somebody else, you're doing a disservice to yourself and to mankind. And that is a wonderful, wonderful note to end on. And that is awesome. And so thank you for, for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your wonderful pieces of wisdom and advice with us today. I know I learned a lot. Dr. I, I learned a lot and it was a real pleasure to see you again. Oh, thanks. Great you. to see you guys again as well. Like I said, I see you guys more now than I did when I was in school. That <laughs> doesn't say much about me, right? <laughs> and hopefully we get to see each other a lot more as yeah, well. Absolutely. So, awesome. You can well, cut that last part out, right? If we, we admit to me, you know, sitting in the back row and not seeing me as much now, right? <laughs> to make sure everyone knows. I think it's been row. sprinkled throughout so we can't cut out. Oh, all those can't cut it out. Yeah. Prospective <laughs> students don't listen to that. <laughs> no, but honestly, he's not recommending that. Not recommend. And honestly, I spent more time. I, Fatty didn't see me here because I was honestly holed up in the in the giant eagle comments half the time. He did, um, and he 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 actually graduated the very top of his class, um, and and so he acts like he didn't do a lot of studying, but he sure did for sure. <laughs> or, or, not. He's <laughs> or he's naturally gifted. Or he's naturally gifted. That too. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. We appreciate it. And to all our listeners out there, thank you so much for listening in. Hopefully, you enjoyed the podcast and you learned a few things about the medical cannabis industry. Uh, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms at NeomedCOP. That's N-E-O-M-E-D-C-O-P. C-O-P stands for College of Pharmacy uh, on Facebook, Instagram, on TikTok and Twitter as well. Um, so again, looking forward to the next episode and hopefully you'll listen in then. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Northeast Ohio Medical University College of Pharmacy's Career Exploration Podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. If you like what you heard in this episode, please be sure to tune in to our next episode. Remember to check out our social media pages at NeomedCOP to submit questions for our upcoming guests. If you would like to learn more about Neomed's College of Pharmacy, we would love to talk to you. Visit www.neomed.edu slash pharmacy and click on pre-pharmacy to learn more or to check out the show notes for today's episode.